This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. Well, for better and worse, it's 2021. The past seven days alone have been quite literally riotous, and time still feels strange when every moment feels momentous, and so many of us remain isolated in our homes, left to our own digital devices, through which we view our country clamor to keep itself together. On January 6th, we witnessed the sitting President of the United States inside a riot that led to the invasion of the Capitol building. This was cheered on and encouraged by people like Senators Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, and built up and incited over the ensuing months by people like Eric Metaxas and others that were involved in the Jericho marches. As Mel, who posts on Holy Queer on Twitter, summed up, the lived experiences of many, if not most people who are listening to this show, wrote on Twitter yesterday, uh, you'll be hearing this on January 8th, if you grew up in the white evangelical church, validate that your limbic system is on high alert today. Your body knows that many of the, these people are sitting in your former pews, preaching at your previous pulpits and private cr- Christian schools. We were prepared for this, groomed for it even, since we were young babes. We used to pledge allegiance to the American flag, the Christian flag, and the Bible in classes. We were taught the GOP was the party of Christian family values and quote, law and order. Our bodies remember. That's what Mel said on Twitter yesterday. And uh, we remember those experiences with our whole selves. And let me acknowledge that the gross disparity between the treatment of the majority white insurrectionists and the treatment of black and brown bodies by police compounds this injustice for BIPOC Americans who are witnessing it. This is the outcome of a society that has continuously downplayed the domestic threat of far-right groups with the naive assumption that it couldn't happen here. What did we think the outcome would be of the elected right and right-wing media encouraging and propagating culture war grievances for decades, undermining civic and social norms and laws in order to attain more power? Did we think it would be peaceful? What did we think would be the outcome of a faith that sacralizes violence? What did we think would become of a party that abandoned its platform in order to rally around a demagogue? What did we think would happen when the radical anti-democratic political theologies of Christian reconstructionists are played out? What did we think would happen when the influence of Q, 4chan, Fox News, Alex Jones, Rush Limbaugh, and countless others in the conservative media ecosystem have radicalized their audiences over decades, questioning the validity of their political opponents' rightful claim to power, dehumanizing them, and both quietly and loudly asserting that white Christian su- their own white Christian supremacy all along the way. What did we think would happen when white Americans are never in fear for their lives at the hands of the police, even as they stormed the Capitol with Confederate flags. This was all foreseeable. Plenty of people warned of of this. Journalists, academics, anti-racist activists, clear-eyed black and BIPOC people 
who have a very different experience and view of life in America, lifelong bureaucrats, and yes, exvangelicals who have lived in this these spaces that have normalized and tolerated this extreme extremism here in the U.S. Earlier this year, I wrote an entry in my newsletter called How Should We Then Live with White Evangelical Christian Nationalists? On January 5th, I wrote on Twitter that after some time away, while on vacation, I was rapidly reminded that white evangelical Christian nationalists and the GOP believe that only they can live as they wish, and perhaps even live at all. The combination of the downplaying of the pandemic and the denial of the legal outcome of the election is so dangerous. It's not funny. It's not excusable because it's politically expedient. It's an existential threat to social stability, and it's happening so fast. It's happening so fast that I can barely understand and contextualize it for myself. It's frustrating that there have been so many Cassandras, academics and journalists and fellow Christians and ex-Christians and keen observers, not just over the past four years, but for the past several decades, warning against what might happen. And now here we are. I'm forced to imagine what the story of America would be like if white American Christianity had the bravery to reckon with its sins, especially racism and patriarchy, instead of building up decades of self-reinforcing false narratives about their own righteousness. Back in October, I wrote the first part of that essay about how we could possibly live alongside Christian nationalists, and with each passing day, I'm not sure how we can. My uncertainty isn't because their political opponents cannot tolerate them, but because they cannot tolerate the legitimacy of their political opponents and are willing to destroy democracy itself in order to maintain power. That last bit that I just uh, said, I wrote on January 5th, and the next day, the next day, the President of the United States encouraged his followers to storm the Capitol in order to stop the certification of the election of his political opponent. That is what we witnessed. And white evangelicals are complicit. Christian nationalists of all faith are complicit. And I'm going off script now, but I cannot stomach the... <laughs> hmm. I just... It's, it's hard to articulate the grief and the anger and the frustration that so many of us have in recognizing that these were all the things that had been warned about. These are all the things that we knew might happen. I dedicated an entire season of my new show, Powers and Principalities, to Christian nationalism and white evangelicalism. And I understand that now, with the growing popularity of that term, that it will likely be used as a way to deflect criticism away from white evangelicalism. And I will not stand for that. I've seen other tactics, such as a article in Christianity Today near the end of last year, claiming that the title Global Evangelical, as if that elides any of the sins and any of the things that are... <laughs> uh, that white evangelicalism is responsible for. It's not even close. It 
just builds upon the colonialism that was used through the missionary work in the 19th and 20th centuries and before. And I just want to acknowledge here on the show, on the air, the frustration that I feel and that I'm sure so many of you feel and the anger. And I ask all of you to try to force, come, not force, that's the wrong word, but try to Uh, I know that this dead air is not good, but I'm searching for words now and just try to move conversations forward and do not allow white evangelicals to try to backpedal from their responsibility in making this moment possible. We saw on display, the entire world saw on display, the Christian flag being waved as they storm the capital. Christian nationalism is complicit, and white evangelicalism is the primary vector in which much of Christian nationalism is spread. And even if it is not explicitly Christian nationalists, well, it has enough in common that it is complementary to it. And we cannot allow the people, the elected officials, the newscasters, the pastors, the people who have supported this president from his candidacy to escape this moment without consequence. If you want to know more about this, yes, this I am diving into a small bit of promotion of my work here. But if you want to know more about Christian nationalism, then listen to my series, Powers and Principalities, Season 1. It's entirely devoted to this, and my whole purpose in creating that show was to make content available and accessible to those who want to learn more about it from people who know it well from multiple perspectives. So please listen to that show. Send it to people who might need to hear it. And if Josh Hawley can send a fundraising email in the middle of a riot that he incited, then yes, I'm going to ask that that you consider supporting me and letting that work, um, letting that work expand and continue. You can support this work and uh, through Patreon uh, or Substack, postevangelicalpost.substack.com. Yeah, uh, I'll mention that um, because I want to create more of this work. And you know what? It's not just me. There's plenty of other people out there that are creating uh, good work on these topics. You can support Laura Polk. You can support Chrissy Stroop. You can support Kevin Garcia. You can support Bradley Onishi and Dan Miller over at uh, Straight White American Jesus. You can support any number of people that are working to criticize white evangelicalism and fight for representation of those critical voices in the public sphere. I'm overwhelmed and 
saddened by this turn of events. And as I said, I'm, I'm off script now. I'm just talking to you. And uh, if you want to follow along with my thoughts on everything as it unravels, please follow me on Twitter at brchastain. Um, I'm no, nowhere near as active on Instagram, but you can follow me there at uh, brchastain underscore or the show at exvangelicalpod. Everyone, um, I'm sorry this is happening to our country. I'm, I'm just crestfallen. Um, but I'm also hopeful that we can see some sort of end. Don't give up hope. Talk to you soon.